0: Good evening my Shiloh family and friends. Good evening, good evening. Welcome to Bible study. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you this evening proclaiming the gospel, the good news. On behalf of our bishop, I count it an honor and a privilege that he allowed me to stand before you this evening and to proclaim the gospel in Bible study. So I want to thank my bishop and my first lady, who is always very supportive of me and my family, just for allowing me just another opportunity. And my Shiloh family, who I love so much, who I love so much. I want to thank you as well. My wife, uh, Elder Tasha Martin, the love of my life, and my children, Robert and Trefina. I also thank them for always being there to support their dad. So this evening, I would like to approach a theme uh, from the subject rekindling your faith, rekindling your faith. In an effort to drive home this theme tonight, our lesson will be coming from 2 Timothy chapter one, and I'm gonna be reading verses one through 10. With our focal point from this evening being verses three through eight, So I'm going to be reading 1 through 10, but we're going to work through through verses 3 through 8. 2 Timothy 1 through 10. I will be reading it from the New Living Translation. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time once again to allow us to come together to learn more of your word. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for who you are and who you are going to be in our lives. So I ask, Lord, that you have everyone be receptive and their ears open up to hear what you have placed on my heart as a lesson this evening. So I thank you right now, and I pray that the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. So again, that's 2 Timothy one and we're going to be reading from verses one through ten this is a letter from paul chosen by the will of god to be an apostle of jesus christ i have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in jesus christ i am writing to timothy my dear son may god the father and christ jesus our lord give you peace mercy grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I, the same faith, continue strong in you. This is why I remember you. I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gifts God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us spirit of fear, timidity, but the power of love and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell people about our Lord, and don't be ashamed for me either, even though I am in prison for him. With the strength of God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this because we deserved it because that was the plan from before the beginning of time to show his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing of of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke the power of death, illuminating the way to life and immortality through the good news. This is the word of God. So there's a story told of a young fisherman named Scotty. Scotty was an individual who loved to fish. Scotty was fishing. And it's like when you go to most fishing docks. The fishermen go out, and they come back, and they sell their fish. This is the fresh fish that we get sometime on the dock. Scotty loved to do this fishing. But he didn't just do it to earn money. It was very rewarding for Scotty. Scotty loved the craft of fishing. Scotty would get up every morning, regardless of the weather, go out in his small aluminum boat, from sunup to sundown. Some days were very rewarding for Scotty. The fish were biting on every line. Scotty would cast out a line here, cast out a line there, and those fish was just biting and jumping. You know, I, I can recall when I was young, I used to go to this pond with my grandmother in the summer when I would go down there to visit her in Virginia. And we throw that, that pole out there and it had a little uh, a, a, a ball, a, a, a ball, a bobble on it. And whenever I saw it go underneath the water, I got excited because I knew that there was a fish on the other end of the line. So this particular day, Scotty had several poles casted throughout the water. And the fish were biting. They were biting really good that day. On this particular day, they were biting so much that Scotty says, OK, I think I'm going to stay out here a little longer. He started filling his coolers with these fish. And he had them on ice. One cooler was filled, next cooler was filled. And it was just a good day for Scotty. He was excited about the day. So he decided that I'm gonna stay out here a little longer. And then Scotty filled his boat. There was no more room in the boat. So he says, okay, it's time for me to get off. We go in here, get him weighed up and see what, what we're at for today. As Scotty was preparing to get off his small aluminum boat, he realized that he was sitting in gasoline all day long. The gasoline was so bad that he was sitting in, it started burning his skin. He was getting blisters all over his body, on his legs, his thighs, his his feet. He had blisters from this gasoline. You know, one, one would probably ask, why Scotty, didn't do anything. Why did he sit in this gasoline all day while he was out there fishing? Was he really enjoying fishing that much? But one of the things that we found out about Scotty was that he was a paraplegic. He couldn't feel anything from the chest down. He didn't know the damage that he had caused to his body. Why? Because he couldn't feel anything. As Christians and non-Christians, how do we deal with these challenges of life? How do we deal with going through situations and becoming numb to them for the most part? Losing that feeling, not feeling anything. How do we do that? How do we do that? Society has put us in a place where we have lost our faith or at the very least, for some of us, we question our faith, Leaving us with the question, can adversity impact our lives to a point where we just accept the situation? Do we become numb to it? Do we do not have that feeling because of the things that are going on around us? This is where society has now put us, where media, we look, watch the news, read newspaper, and, and we start to hear and see the same thing day in, day in and day after, just all day. For the majority of us Christians, I came to suggest that our feelings are connected to our faith. Our feelings are connected to our faith. When my children were small, my wife and I taught them which I still to this day believe was a very important lesson. The lesson that we taught our children was that there are consequences for their actions. We, we told them that if you study for the exam and stay up, read, do your homework, pay attention in class, you do all of those things there, you're gonna get a very good grade. You're gonna get a passing grade you're gonna do very good on that exam. Even if the teacher throws a surprise exam or a quiz at you, if you're prepared for it, you're gonna do well for it. Simple, right? But, but we also taught them that if they don't do those things, if they don't study, they don't prepare, they don't read their books, do their homeworks, then most likely they're not gonna get such a good grade you're going to probably fail. And they know that my wife and I, we were very strict when it came to schooling. So they didn't want to come home and tell mom and dad that, hey, I tried my all and it just didn't work. So this is a grave I received. Because they knew the next thing that we were going to tell them that remember what we said son remember what we said daughter there are consequences for your actions good or bad this same concept applies to our faith if things are going well in our lives our faith is strong but the minute it gets a little cray cray as one of my doctors say at the job you know he does an assessment he say sometime he come up to me he says boss You know, we got a little problem here, it's a little cray cray. So that's how it is, it's a little cray cray. Our faith is immediately weakened. What we fail to realize is that the consequences for strong faith is the number one ingredient for facing any adversity life throws at us. I, I came to realize that Many of us are struggling with our strong faith, that strength of our faith. We have faith and it's burning, but not to its full capacity. Burning, but the brightness isn't like what it used to be for us. It's dim now. If if you were to put our faith in a room and we look for the light that's illuminating off of it, it would be kind of dark there. It's not like how it used to be. So I, so I pondered this thought, I pondered this thought. I asked the question, is it due to COVID fatigue? You know, or, or are we just tired of dealing with COVID for the two plus years? Everywhere we go, we have to have precautionary measures. We have to deal with it for safety of others, for safety of ourselves. When we come into the house of worship, there's protocols that we must follow here. You know, our our great deacon, Deacon Medina, comes up there and he gives a speech every Sunday, you know, but this is for your safety. He makes sure, he lets us know that this is for our safety. But at the same time, you know, many of us are saying, all right, Deke, I got you. I'm hearing you, I know this is for our safety, but I'm getting a little tired of this, Deke. We gotta do something else here. So we we're a little fatigued from that. We, we go to the store, we go grocery, and, and, and then the biggest thing is that, you know, we, 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 are, we, we, we are creatures of habit. We like to embrace. You know, with, with, with brothers and sisters, we give that brother hug. Sisters, we, gotta, we hug on you and we love you. And so now we, we, we can't do that as we did it before in the past. So we start getting a little fatigue, this COVID fatigue there. Then if it's not COVID fatigue, we have little children that are in school. So now I didn't go to school to become a teacher. Now you telling me I have to go to work all day, come home from work, sit with little Bobby, sit with little Susie and then I have to now do this virtual learning with them. That, 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 that's not what I signed up for. That's what you guys are there for. That's what the schools are there for. So now that's impacting our lives. Or due to lost loved ones, such a young age due to street violence. I turn on the television every morning and see our cities, Hartford, New Haven, Bridgeport, and just here, Norwich and New London. People are dying at a rapid rate due to street violence. So it's bothering us, it's bothering us. And then we have an increasing rate of mental instability. Our mental functions are being challenged and impacted on what's going on. So all of these things are going on and consuming our lives, that I can see it's no wonder that our faith gets a little weak in that time. The good news is that I came tonight to help us with rekindling our faith and attaining new faith. New faith, I'm gonna say that again. I came to help us rekindle our faith by obtaining new faith. You might say, Elder Preacher, what is new faith? Define that for us. I I, I don't know about this new faith. I, I I can't go to Webster or I can't pick up on a computer and see what this new faith is. So what is this? New faith is that faith that provides an unbreakable foundation that we can endure any storm life throws at us. I'm going to say that again. New faith is that faith that provides an unbreakable foundation that we can endure any storm that life throws at us. Oh, that's good news, that's good news, that's good news. Someone right there should type in a comment, I want that new faith, Elder, I want that new faith. Come on, come on, come on, somebody tell me, I want that new faith. If you didn't get that point yet, and you're not with me on that new faith there, Let me see if we can do this, Uh, let's try it this way. My my, my beautiful wife loves candles. Throughout our home we have different candles for different occasions. In our prayer room, she has candles there when she goes in, and for those of you who know my wife, she goes in, she goes in, so she'll go in there And if if someone gives a call and says, can you pray for me, Elder? She goes, okay, just give me a second. She goes in that room, she lights them candles, she dim them lights down, and she goes in. So those are the candles she has in her prayer room. And then we have candles in our bathroom. We have a nice jacuzzi tub that she puts the candles that surround that there. She'll dim a light, we have a light on top of that, she dims that light down, and then she lights those candles. Those candles are for her to relax, or for us to relax. And then we have what's called fresh smell candles. It's to give that fresh scent in the house. Sometimes you know, when you're cooking, depending on what you're cooking, it throws off that aroma that you want to get out of your house, you want to get it out of your house. So you wanna camouflage it with that fresh scent in case you have uh, unexpected visitors. I I don't know, it smells good to me, light it up, baby. So that's it. And then we have my favorite. This is my favorite, those romantic candles. Those are the candles that sit on the dresser in our bedroom and then when she comes in here, we start lighting those candles and you throw on that soft music. You, you, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, so I won't, I won't go into that a little too much there. But we have those romance candles. So this one particular day, I was in the mood to have a romantic dinner on our deck. And we have on our deck a big gazebo. And inside the gazebo, we have a chandelier that hangs down. So we want to go out in the evening, it illuminates our gazebo and it makes it very romantic. Well, on that chandelier, it's not something that's electrical where you plug it in and it lights up. There are candles around it. It's probably about 10 uh, uh, teacup candles around the outer edge, so I really wanted, I really wanted to have this special romantic dinner with my wife outside. The weather was nice, candles gonna be nice, we're gonna have this nice seafood dinner that my wife loves to have, so I said, okay, all right, I got this, we we got this, we got it going on, we got it going on, and so I started lighting the candles, bam, bam, got my little lighter, lighting the candles, going around the chandelier, lighting these little tea kettle candles. As I started lighting the candles, I noticed that the flame wasn't as bright as it should have been. The candles had burned out. They were too low to illuminate the light on the wick. So fortunate for me, we always keep these little spare ones in the cabin in the kitchen. So I I went out, got those candles, changed them out with the new candles, and I started lighting again. But this time when I started lighting those candles, I immediately saw an illumination of light. It was bright. It was brighter than it ever was before. So the flames were so bright, more than I can expect it. It was a good evening. Just as I received a brighter light from my new candles, God is calling for us to have new faith in him during these tumultuous times. He wants to see that brighter light in us. He wants to see that brighter light in us. So with that being said, let's move on to the text and start this teaching for the e- this evening. Um, in the text, I found five essential lessons that I will hopefully guide us in rekindling our faith. So we're gonna work through the text. Verse one and two of the text. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God, to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have sent out to tell others about life he has promised through faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. What we find here in the text is Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. And giving a little background of this letter, Commentators suggest that this was the second letter Paul wrote to Timothy, emphasizing on the power that comes from having a testimony in Jesus. Paul is writing this letter from prison, where he was in prison for the last time, knowing that death was soon to come. This was a time where Christians were being persecuted for following the preaching and the teaching of Jesus. Not only were they being persecuted for Jesus, the emperor at the time of Rome had planned to pass the blame of this great fire burning from himself to the Christians. He planned on doing this so they could be persecuted and tortured for a crime that they didn't even commit. That, that, that's what the emperor wanted to do to Christians at the time. Unlike the first time Paul was in prison, he was locked in a house where he was able to teach, he was able still to preach, he was able to still do things that were more comfortable and he didn't think that death was knocking at his door. This was a time where he was locked in a cold dungeon made out of concrete steel opening to the elements. It, it, it was where he was sitting all alone. As you see from the picture that's now displayed, there's no bed there, a little hay on the ground. It's open to the elements, so whenever it rained, he got wet. I barely believe that they fed him. So it's not like our prisons that we see today, that's air conditioner, And no matter how much people say they don't want to be there, it's not the same as the prison that Paul was in I know I always have this saying that I can work in a prison, which I've been doing it pretty long now. But no, 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 at no time do I want to be doing time in a prison. Just not for me. Just not for me. In verse 2, we find that Paul was built much different than you and I. That was us and that cell that was just displayed. We probably would have lost our mind and it wouldn't have worked too well for us. But, 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 but Paul was a little different than you and I. Paul had concerns for his traveling buddy, his companion, his comrade, his friend. Paul was concerned for Timothy. He knew that his son in the gospel had to be encouraged and reminded of his faith in God by making that bold statement. In this verse, we find that Paul must have known that Timothy, Timothy was struggling with its faith his faith as we do at times. Shiloh, I quote the same unto your spirit. Quote, may God, the Father, and Jesus, and Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, give you mercy, and peace. Unquote. And whatever circumstances you are faced with, stand on the word of God, stand on his promises, No that he provides you with grace, mercy, and peace. I said we are re-talk, talking about rekindling our faith tonight, correct? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Let's move on to now our focal verses for this evening which brings us to five essential lessons that I would like to leave with you this evening in rekindling our faith. Verse number three, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with clear conscience, just as my ancestor did, night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. If we were to look at this text closely, we will find that Paul is letting us know that there's a mutual agreement between him and Timothy. Paul is letting Timothy know that although he was in prison, He knew that God was was still with him. He knew that although they had isolated him away from the community, although he wasn't able to preach and teach the way that he normally did, he still knew that God was in that cell with him. He still knew that the Spirit of the Lord was still with him. Although he was facing death, the outcome wasn't going to be good for him but he still knew that. I don't know about you all, oh, but I thank God for those positive people in my life. Throughout my life, there have been positive people who have spoke positivity in my life, and they always remembered me, even when they were going through their own situation. I, I never forget, I never forget that um, I was a young supervisor. And there was this major that I worked for. And he was so hard on me. And he was dealing with a situation where his wife was really ill. So he's coming to work and he just stayed on me. He called me Young Bobby. He says, Young Bobby this, Young Bobby that, Young Bobby this. It was to the point whenever I saw him, I turned and I went the other way. And years later, as I now promoted to a position of authority, running a facility that he was actually doing that, he saw me at an event, and he goes, Bobby, come here. He goes, I always believed in you. I always spoke positivity over your life because I knew that you had it in you, so I pulled it out of you. I said, well, it didn't feel like that way at the time. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. You, 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 you know, I thought I was doing good, and then you kicked back my report and asked me what was the license plate on the fire truck? How do I know what the fire license plate on the fire truck was? But what I realized at that moment, he was a positive person speaking positivity into my life to get me to where I needed to get in my career path. But I don't know about you, if anyone is bringing negativity to me, they're not a part of my life. I still love them, I still talk to them, but I don't let them in close enough so they can reflect that negativity over me. It is here where we must, too, pray for one another, constantly, who we are in relationship with, and I would even say this, we also have to pray for people that we're not in relationship with, which brings us to lesson number one. Lesson number one in rekindling our faith is reassurance of community. Reassurance of community. Pray for one another consistently. Proverbs 27 and 10 in the New Living Translation puts it this way. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's, when disaster strikes. You won't have to ask your brother for assistance. That verse there is saying that as long as we could keep that community and we pray for one another, when we need it, they'll be there for us. One of the things I have learned in life is the enemy is much stronger in our lives when our faith is weakened and we are left all alone with no reassurance of community. When we have too much time on our hair, loneliness on our hands, loneliness and despair comes in. It is during those times we have to learn to lean on our brothers and sisters. I, I know that during COVID that we were out of church for a while. And, and during that time there, it was very difficult for me. You know, it was only a few of us in here, elders, my wife, myself, Deacon Medina, a couple of Deaconesses uh, deaconess were here, and bishop. And I, I, I miss that sense of community. I needed that, I, I, I needed that there. But what that actually did, and you, you, you hear pastors talk about it sometime, because now it's so convenient for us to just go there, turn on our TV, and stream the service. But I, I'm just speaking for me, I'm not speaking for no one else there. That's something I need. I need to come here every, Every, every Sunday morning and be around in fellowship with my Shiloh family. We need the reassurance of the community. Verse number four. We're gonna move on, verse number four. As long I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and now I will be filled with joy when we are together again. We find here in verse four again, this reassurance of community is affirmed. The bond between Paul and Timothy, which is recognized, is the bond that a parent has for their children. I can recall dropping my son, my wife and I, dropping um, our son off to Morehouse College in Atlanta. During orientation week, it was full of events. It kept us busy. We were running from place to place. They, they had different uh, seminars. We would we, we take it to the classes. And then at the end of, towards the end, we had a big ceremony. And during that ceremony, they recited uh, a school motto, the mission statement, and they, they did a lot of talking. <coughs> they had speakers there. And then they marched them outside. They were all dressed in white shirts, maroon tie, black pants. They lined them up and then they marched them outside. So they marched them out to the parking lot and then there was this gate there. They closed the gate as if it was a goodbye. So now my wife and I are looking at each other and saying, whoa, 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 we didn't plan for this. What are they doing? We're not gonna have the opportunity to say goodbye to our son. So they did that part there just to show them that now there's a separation, and to show us as parents that there's now a separation. They open up the gate, and then we finish the rest of the week, and now it's time for us to go back home. It's time for us to go back home. So we spent the time with our son. Wife was in tears already, and we rode to the airport. My lovely wife, she didn't hide her emotion. From the time we got in our rented car to the time we got back to the airport, she was upset. we leaving, she's leaving her baby boy in a state far away that we can't just get to him right away. So she, she was upset. Me, on the other hand, I didn't really show too much emotion. I was telling myself, he'll be fine, he'll be good, you know we we install good things in him. He's a young man. He can grow up. He's going to be okay. Then we brought it to play. It took a hold of me. I thought about the look that I saw when I looked in my son's face. And to him he was ready. He was ready to go. He's left alone, you know, on campus, but to me it brought back all of the memories of him growing up going to sporting events, uh, dances, driving him around to when he got his license. So tears immediately started coming down my eyes, my eye. My wife and I looked at each other, now both of us are emotional. We grabbed each other's hands on the plane and we reassured each other that it would be all right. That's reassurance of community we're talking about, reassurance of community. Let's move on. Let's move on to verse 5. Verse 5, I remember your genuine genuine faith, for you shared the faith that filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I know the same faith continues strong in you. Verse 5 provides us with a shift right now. We're focusing on Timothy home training. Many of us can attest to that. If it had not been for that good old home training, we would be a pleat old mess. For most of us, I'm talking about me again, Robert, I know that it it, it would have put God in overdrive for me. He worked overtime in cleaning me up. You know, people say that God knows all see all, but I know for me, I I put God in overtime for cleaning me up. Paul has identified Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother, Eunice as early Christian and a strong foundation in their faith. These two were converted under Christianity through the ministry of Paul, which brings us to lesson number two, reframe from complacency, reframe from complacency. In verse five, Paul reminded Timothy, although his faith might have been weakened at the moment, he had to be strong in his faith. He had to be strong because it was in his bloodline. This was passed down to him from his grandmother, to his mother, from his mother to him. Timothy had to be reminded of this to avoid complacency. There are times in our lives where God wants to spark the flames of our very soul. However, we tend to stay stuck in the ruts, singing the blues. You know what the blues is. Instead of singing that song, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my sister, not my brother, not my nana, not my auntie, but it's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's during these times that we have to brighten ourselves up. Find a hymn, find a scripture, whatever you have to do. But you have to come up. You have to come up. Come up and come out of this here. We have to come out of it. Don't stay in the rut. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Verse number six. This is the way I remind you to fan into the flames. The spiritual gifts of God gave you when I laid hands on you. We are now into Timothy's spiritual gift God gave him when Paul laid hands on him. It is noteworthy that we find Paul is reminding Timothy to use his gift. Paul uses this metaphor, fan into the flame. Flames represent his gifts. If you know anything about a fire, there are three components that you need for a fire to burn. You need heat, you need oxygen, and you also need fuel. If you put those three together, a chemical reaction starch which is called fire paul is suggesting to timothy to stir up his spiritual gifts stir them up stir them up god gave him rekindle the flame of your faith is his faith which transition us to lesson number three restruct your restructure your condition restructure your condition in other words In other words, your flame, fan into your flames. We have to rekindle your faith. Earlier we spoke about that new faith. New faith is simply fanning into the flames. What one must come to realize during troubled times when our back is against the wall, the songwriter put it best, hold on, help is on the way. Hold on, help is on the way. He might not come, when you want him, but he'll be there every time. Hold on, help is on the way, hold on. My brothers and sisters, I want you to hold on. Sisters, hold on. Brothers, hold on. Mama, hold on. Daddy, hold on. Hold on, your help is on the way. We're moving, we're moving, we're moving. Verse number seven. For God has not given us spirit of fear, timidity, but the power, love, and self-discipline. Verse number seven gives us lesson number four. Refocusing, shift, challenges. Refocusing, shift, challenges. If we were to refocus on what God has given us in our faith and not on the issue at hand, we would not fear. We would be out of the fear. God promised us that our situation will shift. This is a conscious effort to identify what truly is the situation and shift to something better. We're still talking about rekindling your faith, rekindling our faith. Okay, okay, we're gonna move on. Um, This is the last one here. We're gonna move into lesson number five. Verse number eight. So never be ashamed to tell others about your Lord, and don't be ashamed for me either. Even though though I'm in prison for him, with strength God gives me, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news, which brings us to our final lesson for this evening. Lesson number five, refute your circumstances. Refute your circumstances. In other words, don't just accept your circumstances. Allow your faith to be weakened. We don't want to accept it because by accepting it, that's how our faith becomes weakened. Weaken. Refute it right now. Refute any situation that you are faced with right now in the name of Jesus. Paul is displaying this by informing Timothy to keep the faith. Paul knew Timothy was afraid to continue preaching the good news. Believers, They were arrested, executed. Some would have been stopped preaching a long time ago if that was us. You want me to preach? You want me to teach? You want me to continue to proclaim the good news on behalf of Jesus, but I might lose my life for this here. Many of us would have said, okay, Jesus, I love you, but I'm not ready to be with you right now. So we have to refute our circumstances. Paul is letting us know in his letter to Timothy, we are to expect adversity and suffering in our lives. But he don't just tell us that we have to expect it. He also leaves us with the good news that he left with Paul. He let him know that God will provide us with strength through it all. God will be there with us. He will provide us strength strength in the midnight hour. He will provide us strength in our goings and our coming. He will provide us strength in our ups and our downs. God is an awesome God who provides strength to his children. Well, Shiloh family, this is a lesson for this evening. I hope you got something out of this lesson. Remember, rekindle, rekindle, rekindle your faith when you know that that faith is starting to weaken. All I'm asking is that we rekindle it, find ways and we've given you five, four lessons tonight. All right. So let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word that we have heard tonight. I hope and pray, Father, that someone has heard a word that is uplifting in their spirit, that is going through challenging times right now. Although, Father, their faith might be weakened, Lord, Although I know that they call on the elders to pray for them. They call on the bishop to pray for them. They call on the deacons to pray for them. But let them know that they have it built up in them already that they can pray. And God hears their prayers and honors their prayer. So, Father, just as we light candles and it illuminates the bright life, we're asking that you light that faith in us right now in the name of Jesus and let your light illuminate through us. So we thank you we honor you and we praise you on this evening. So we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Shiloh family, it was a good lesson. If it wasn't good for you, it was good for me. I, I, I blessed myself by teaching that lesson tonight. So I thank you. As a reminder, please join us tomorrow for community prayer at, uh, on the prayer line tomorrow at one o'clock p.m. It's up on your screen right now. Um, We have an awesome time on that prayer line for those of you who are there. And lastly, it's time for the offering. This is our benevolent gift that we bless others with. As always, say that we're blessed to be a blessing. There's three ways to give. Through Givelify, Cash App, and through mail at PO Box 929 New London, Connecticut 06320. Well, it's been a good one tonight, saints. May the God give you peace and blessings. Thank you. God bless.